Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Today is Palm Sunday, and uh, we are celebrating the triumphal entry of Jesus. And normally, we would, a lot of times we do a message literally on Palm Sunday. Today, we're going a little bit different route, and I'll explain what we're doing here today. But uh, today is the start of Easter week, and this Friday uh, is the Good Friday service, like we said. I'm going to encourage you guys to come early to that thing and go around and like hug people from other churches, like people you don't know, probably a lot of people here you don't know. But, but go, just be friendly. Let's go like be the body of Christ in the city of Fort Worth. Let's go for it. And uh, we had over a thousand last year. There'll be who knows how many people this year. I think we've added a couple more churches. So I think 1,200 plus is the deal. So that's exciting. Then next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are going to have baptisms. We'll have a baptistry right here and be celebrating new life in Christ. It's going to be exciting. And uh, so one of the things we felt like today was, hey, let's just go ahead and spend a Sunday teaching and preaching about baptism. Like just do the whole day and the, the whole goal, just so you're very clear, the goal of this day is that if you have not been baptized into Christ and you are a follower of Jesus, that you'd get baptized next Sunday. That's a clear goal for this morning. And if you are already baptized in Christ, that you would grow in depth and understanding of what it means to be baptized. So uh, that's what we're talking about this week. You know, unfortunately, uh, baptism a lot of times ends up as something optional. You just, I'll get around to that. I'll do that later. I'll do that later in life or something or when I'm older. And so I want to just, today I want to communicate about the urgency of baptism. It's almost like baptism, uh, if you've ever watched Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of the Hulu or those kind of things, you kind of scroll through lots of options. You're always scrolling through options. I don't, I don't want to do that right now. I'll do that later. I'll put that on my watch list, you know, and we don't want to do that with baptism. Does that make sense? Like you, you want to just baptism, go ahead and hit it. Just, just hit play on baptism. And it's like, there's all these commands. I, I just would figure this out just this week. There's 10,050 commands in the New Testament. So there's a lot, there's a lot of things you could hit play on, right? So I wrote some down from uh, Romans chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Boom. Watch that one. Okay, that's, that's a good one, right? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's going to be good. Watch that. Be joyful in hope. Amen. That sounds positive. Uh, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, <laughs> we hit pause on that one sometimes, right? You know, I'll put that on the watch list. Um, I'm just kidding. The point here is just, I'll do one more. Let's see. Uh, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. <laughs> right. Right. Woo. <laughs> rerun. Somebody said rerun. <laughs> And that is, it comes over and over again, doesn't it? I just thought I'd throw that in on. What's today? Yeah, 14th. It's really close. We all know what that means. But the point, the point is that with baptism, it's not this optional thing. I want to make that 
point really clear this morning. It's not an optional deal. And so it's like there's this big spectrum of belief about baptism. Different, different ways of looking at it. Different people from different backgrounds. And so on the one hand, you've got this really uh, like an almost legalistic kind of perspective about baptism. Almost like it's a work or something. And like the tradition that I grew up in, it was baptism was like really big. Like, woo, it was so big, it was almost bigger than Jesus. That's, that's sad sounding. But so people pull back from that. They say, well, no, it's not that big. It's not that, you know. And so we go over here and in the Reformation, they discovered that we're justified by faith. And that was a good correction to, to some of that legalism. And, but the, the problem with that is you can almost say, justified by faith, you can almost make faith like it's the one work that you do. It's the one thing you have to do. And if you don't do like enough of it, like saving faith, isn't that scary? You know, like you got to, well, you know, they didn't have saving faith. Doggone it. That's a bummer. You know, like I want to believe. So here's something that maybe will help this balance out just a bit here. What Jesus Christ has done for us in the past is something that only Jesus can do. We're saved because Jesus did it. We don't do it. Jesus Christ does it. He did it on the cross for us. And you can't add to that. That's something He did for all of us. So we've been saved, but we're being saved. And we will be saved. But the being saved part is the the ways that we respond to God. Ways we put our faith in Him, our trust in Him. The ways we obey Him. Baptized. Being, living this baptized life. But it's not even just you stop there. You love people. You learn to love people. You learn to repent. You learn to go low and humble and be broken. All of that's happening in this being saved realm. And we're, we will be saved. And that's what's coming. This, this future that God has for us, we are to be creative, uh, uh, the way one guy says it is, we are inaugurating the eschatology. The, the eschaton. We're, we're, we're bringing the future right back into the present as we live by faith in what God's going to do in the end, which is bring the new heavens and the new earth, and there will be no more separation between heaven and earth. And it's like super good news. So we've been saved. We're being saved. We will be saved. And that helps to bring balance. Like, I don't want to look at baptism as a work, but I sure don't want to, I, I don't want to not do it because I, I'm, somehow expressing more faith the faith without response. Like that's just... I want to set us free so that we can do all of the things that we're called to do in God. And run and obey and not be legalists about it. But we're running because Jesus has done it and now we're in. We're being saved and we will be saved. I feel like I'm trying to preach here. I mean, in the New Testament, they weren't arguing about baptism. Nobody was arguing about... Do you do it or not? Everybody, and I'm going to show this in just a minute, but I mean, everybody was being baptized. They, now, they had some discussions, like even at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul's like, well, I baptized some of you guys, the house of Stephanas, maybe some others, I'm not sure. But the point wasn't baptism or not baptism. The point was factions in the church. So I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Christ. Imagine, you know, like those are factions. That's what's going on there. The big controversies in the New Testament were more like, I'm not going to eat with those people. And we think, is that really a big deal? It's gigantic. It's all through the entire New Testament because of Jews and Gentiles coming together in the body of Christ. Or, or the, the controversies were like, 
What you got there? Oh, this is meat I bought at the, at the, at the temple. Really? That's gross. It's been sacrificed to idols. And so those are the controversies of the New Testament. It's like, how do we get aware of what we're carrying around that's idol comparative kind of stuff in our own lives that we're carrying around and it's, it's hurting us? So we need to be aware of those things. So here's the, the, the main thing I'm trying to say. Just I want to be really clear about this day. God wants all followers of Jesus to be baptized and to grow in understanding the importance of baptism. Everybody good? So if you haven't been baptized, be baptized. And so we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we've got signups online. You can sign up for next week. And right now we've got six people gonna be baptized. I, I hope we have 16. I hope we have 26. I hope we have so many people being baptized that it changes the sermon. And all I can do is just go, Jesus was raised on the third day by the power of God. He died for your sins. Believe in Him. Put your hope in Him. Put your heart in Him. And be baptized like all these people are doing. Amen. What up? That'd be a great, be a great thing to do. So let's talk about the urgency. First of all, the urgency. And I mean, a great reason for urgency is just simply looking to Jesus in the Great Commission. He says three things. Make disciples. Second one, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Third thing, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. So first thing was what? Make disciples. Second thing, baptize. Third thing, teach them to obey. So, I mean, if it's like in the last thing that Jesus is telling us to do, it's literally got the Great Commission, like this is a big deal. So, and you look at the book of Acts and you see at every advancing place where the church is moving forward, baptism's right there. That's the urgency. So let's look at that this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Peter's getting toward the end of the sermon there at Pentecost on the first day the Holy Spirit's come. And then he says in verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what do we do? What should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted the message were baptized. And about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. So that's like, wow, okay, we know that. That's the beginning of the church. But that is an urgency about baptism. It's not like, hey, repent. And about nine months later or so, after you've thought about it a while or gotten to be about 20 or 22, then get baptized. Yeah, so let's look at some more. You guys need more convincing. <laughs> so, so the gospel then goes, it starts at Jerusalem, then it goes to Samaria. So the next place the gospel goes to, moving out, uh, this is Acts chapter 8, verse 12. When they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, this is in Samaria, they were baptized, both men and women. 
keep rolling the clock forward. The Ethiopian eunuch is on his way to Gaza, and Philip shows up there beside the, temp- beside the chariot, and uh, he says, hey, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I know unless somebody explains it to me? And he was reading Isaiah 53. So he invites Philip up into the chariot, and he begins explaining. Verse 35, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And isn't that interesting? Like, So he's preaching Jesus. He's preaching the Gospel from Isaiah 53, from the prophet. Isaiah 53. It's about the suffering servant. But whatever he says in the preaching of Jesus in that way, the eunuch goes, okay, so here's water. Why can't I be baptized? It's like, it's right there. It's in the middle of this whole telling of the Gospel story. Everybody see that? So it's right there. So it's in the moment, in the moment, urgency in the moment. Acts chapter 9. This wild Pharisee who's persecuting the church has this crazy encounter with Jesus. Damascus Road, blinding light. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. He's blinded. And Ananias comes to him a few days later and prays for him. And something immediately, verse 18 of chapter 9, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Like, boom. Right there in the moment. Okay, then the Gospel moves again. It goes to the next barrier, which is to the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 10, Peter has this vision of him going to this guy, you know, uh, to Cornelius' house, and he gets there, and he starts preaching the Gospel to the folks at Cornelius' house. And uh, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. That's the way he's preaching the Gospel. He's doing good and preaching and and healing all who are under the power of the devil. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit falls on them and they begin speaking in tongues just like the guys did at Jerusalem. So in Acts chapter 10, verse 47, Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So again, Boom. In the moment, Peter's sermon interrupted. Holy Spirit comes and they baptize them on the spot. In Acts chapter 16, turning the page a few more times, the Gospel goes to Europe for the first time. So Paul and Silas, they're on this missionary travel team. They're out sharing the Gospel and God's saying, no, don't go this way. Don't go this way. And they have a vision of a Macedonian guy. He's European. And he says, hey, Sorry, he doesn't doesn't say, hey, Um, but he does say, come over here and help us, come and help us. And so that's the call, the Macedonian call. And they go over and the first place they really get landed is at Philippi and they go look for a place of prayer and they find Lydia there. And this is verse end of verse 14. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message and when she And the members of her household were baptized. She invited us to her home. So think about the urgency of that. They meet Lydia, members of her household. They haven't even eaten yet. Okay, so there's some urgency there, right? They're baptized in the moment. And then they go to her house and get some food. Later, Paul's arrested. 
He and Silas are in the jail there in Philippi. They've caused a disturbance by preaching the name of Jesus. And uh, so they're in the, in the prison and they're praising the Lord and praying at midnight like we all would be if we were in prison. Praising the Lord at midnight. And there's an earthquake. And the jail doors fling open. And the jailer's about to kill himself on his own sword because he thinks the prisoners are all escaping. And Paul says, no, no, we're all here. And the jailer says there, chapter 16, verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his family were baptized. So, is everybody seeing here the just the progression? As the Gospel's moving forward, they're preaching the name of Jesus. They're preaching the kingdom of God. And as people are responding to this message, what are they doing? Being baptized. There's an urgency to it. There's, they're, they're not baptized like a year later, but now. And I, So my heart in this is to encourage you. If you need to be baptized, man, don't put it off. Don't keep scrolling through the list of possible options. If you need to be baptized, be baptized. There's some powerful things that happen when we do that. And so, uh, just life change. And uh, my daughter, Emily, she was in the second service. When she was six, I mean, she was a strong-willed child. She's 28 now, and she's awesome. Man, I mean, people ask us all the time, how did you raise somebody like that? You know, what what did you do? And y'all, she was strong-willed. You know, she's like, kind of bow, you know, bow up. But at six years old, she said, I want, I want Jesus. And Dad, I want to be baptized. And so, and I mean, we had to discipline her all the time. Yeah, so finish that story. People say, how did you, what did you do? And I said, well, she got saved. Like literally, she got saved and things changed. So if you got, here's parenting advice, 101, maybe 501, I don't know. But, but when you're struggling through those discipline times and the strong-willed child times, what they need is Jesus. Eddie Leo is a friend from Indonesia. Jakarta pastors a church called Abba Love. And years ago, he was telling us one time that they have so many street kids coming to the Lord that they make it a priority to make sure that everyone gets saved by the time they're nine. Because they have incredible behavior problems if they don't get them saved. They're orphans. They act like orphans. They act like street kids. And so they need Jesus in order to like start learning what it means to have character and live a life of, of following God. That makes sense. So there's an. Uh, did I finish the story with Emily? Uh, yeah. So we we wait. Sorry, we waited three months with her. She came to us and said, "Hey, I want to I want to be baptized." And we waited three months. I mean, she's six years old. She was like a twelve year old in a six year old's body, but she was still six. Very mature for her age, and um, so. And we took time to say, hey, do you understand what you're doing? Wanted her to know what it was that she was doing and, and uh, have a sense of understanding. But I mean, the result of that, I remember Brad and Ann Mullen's house, the pool there, baptizing her, you know, and she came up to about here or whatever. I don't think she ever came up to here. She was, she was probably like this. She came out of the, came out of the womb that, that way. Just kidding. But uh, she's tall in case any... It, a lot of people don't know my daughter. She's tall. 
She's always been tall. <laughs> Woo! Okay. So what am I saying? That first point is the urgency. Like it's like in the moment, right? All through Acts, you can't read it and not go, hey, there's an urgency to baptism. Not an optional, I'm going to scroll through that one. But if you're a follower of Jesus, then be baptized in the name of Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, so here is the next one then is the importance of baptism. Because baptism is, is this, it's like a sign in our life that points to something. It points to the reality. It's, it, it points to the reality of who God is in our lives, what God's done in our lives, who Jesus is in our lives, what Jesus has done, who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit has done and is doing and will do in our lives. All of that's happening there. So when Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, when we think of baptism, and you see somebody coming out of that water, that it's like a think washing, think cleansing, think like, God, you did all that in Jesus Christ. You went to the cross. You shed your blood so that we could know real forgiveness of sins. And I don't know who needs to hear that word today, but you can know forgiveness and mercy every single day, no matter what you've done or doing or will do. There's grace in God. That's good. That's good news. That's really awesome good news. And uh, so it's this it's it's a sign pointing to the that our sins are forgiven and washed away. Another one right there in Acts 2 is that we receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and all who are far off. That's us from Acts chapter 2. We are far off down the line, right? And just I I, I want to again I'm I'm doing this because we're going to be seeing this next week. But when you see somebody baptized, just remember all the things that go with baptism. You ever been to a, a, a wedding and uh, you're, you're there, you're with your spouse. So this would be a limited number of the entire group here. But you're with your spouse and you're watching somebody and they're standing up there and I'm going to just, you know, love you always. And you're just the most awesome person ever. And they're, they're making vows of commitment and you're squeezing your your wife's hand or your husband's hand or just patting her on the leg. And just because it's a it's a covenant thing that stirs up remembrance of the covenant we've made in our own lives. And baptism is like that. When you see those baptisms, I mean, we're going to be cheering and all that stuff. But remember what God's done in your own life. The importance of baptism. So we're immersed and sins washed away. And, but think immersed in the Holy Spirit. Okay, like completely covered in the Holy Spirit. So, uh, this has been years ago. I went to a hotel with a mentor friend of mine and we spent three days praying. And, and one of the things that happened there on that last night, I was laying on the ground on my back, kind of like in the shape of a cross. And I had a, just a, a picture, a vision, or in my mind's eye, I saw myself laying under a very shallow but clear river. It's about 18 inches deep. And I could have sat up out of it, but I, I didn't want to because I, somewhere in there I realized this is the river of God's love. And I could breathe and just live. I could live and I thought it was awesome. And I've prayed that over so many people down through the years. May you just be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Be immersed in the river of God's love. Come on, man. I mean, that's a great prayer. Well, a couple weeks ago, I was down in College Station um, at 
Second service, they went bonkers. Whoop, whoop, whoop. In, involuntary actions that ha happen whenever you talk about that city or that university. And there's, there's <laughs> kick him. <laughs> so, uh, but we were down there and I was talking with the pastor, the board was talking with the pastor Tyler and his wife, Ashley. And she was telling a story about their uh, next door neighbors who helped them plant the church, a guy named Ray and Lori. And a few years ago, Lori had a heart issue and she actually had a heart attack and died for eight minutes. She was gone. No breath, no heartbeat. Um, and for eight minutes... And Ashley asked her later, she was revived, and Ashley asked her later, what happened while you were gone? She said, you're not going to believe this, but I, and I'm got tears flowing down my face when she's telling me the story because Lori said, well, I was laying in a river that came from the throne of God, and it was the river of God's love. And I never heard anybody tell a story kind of like that, and this was really cool because she was in the presence of God, you know? And so I just want to say, like, when you see those baptisms, remember that you're immersed in the Holy Spirit. God's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise is for all of us. The fullness, that richness, that being immersed under the nonstop, never ending Niagara of God's love, right? So let's look at another one. So baptism points to the reality of sins washed away, of receiving the Holy Spirit, of being united with Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. Paul says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Praise the Lord. If we've been united like this in his death, with him in his death like this, we will certainly be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So this is one of the powerful images of baptism. And that is the connection with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is... I mean, there's a lot of things you can say about the New Testament and the trajectory of it, but one of the things that I would say is that the New Testament trajectory is union with Christ. That He's brought us into His relationship with His Father. And their shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, that's that the heart of God. The heart of the Gospel. The heart of the good news is this very union thing that happens with Jesus where we identify with His death. And, and I really hear that in Romans 6.6 6, that for we know that our old self was crucified. This is the basis of freedom from besetting sins that just keep coming up in our lives because we died to the old life. Now can I stir that up? Can I stir up my old man that's supposed to be dead and do some things and for long, he's like, you know, whatever your thing is, and we've all got different stuff. But if you feed that monster, you can still find your way into some messy stuff. So, Lord, help us here, because this is the basis of deliverance. So, for we know that our old self was crucified 
was crucified with Christ on the cross. And so, like Romans 6, 6, uh, 6.11 then says, so now we count ourselves dead to sin because of the fact that we were crucified with Him on the cross. So you can't just go, I'm going to be dead, I'm going to be dead, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, and then finally, I died to sin. That's not the way it works. We died with Him, and now we walk and count ourselves it's, a, it's an accounting term. We count ourselves dead to sin. We reckon ourselves dead to sin because of the reality of what's happened there on the cross. Now, there is a brokenness that we all have to... It's like, I don't know, it's like dying. I don't know any other way of saying it. On the other side of hard stuff, the cross, the, the grave, and coming out of that, there is a different way that we approach people. A different way that we treat others. I... One of the things I've been thinking about, I'm going to eventually do some sermons on Jonah, but, you know, because there's more there than just, you know, stuff for children. Right? Like, hey, he didn't do God's will, but then he did, and obey me. You know, there's more there as a moral than that. Jesus says twice in Matthew, no sign will be given this generation except the sign of Jonah. Okay, so we got to figure out how do we blend that into the gospel? And part of it is that Jonah had to do some dying, like Jesus, three days in the belly of the fish. And on the other side of that, he does something he doesn't want to do. He goes to this people, they're the most vile people on planet earth, the Assyrians. I mean, just it's, it's uh, bad. The, the, and I keep looking at my in first service, I said Assyrians, and Siri started talking to me. From my iPad, but it's it's good. Maybe it's figuring it out. But I mean, they, they were the first big time empire, you know, on on the planet. And I mean, just vile, sexual, messed up, brokenness. They would torture people in terrible, heinous ways. And Jonah's got to go preach to them. He preaches to them, and they repent, you know. And it's it's a picture of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ that. All of this humanity that is broken and lost and needs God. And He comes. And if we will repent, He's like, it's there for us waiting to happen. There's something about brokenness. I was watching this show the other day with, well, I say with Kim. She was around. It was called Tiger Woods Return of the Roar or something. She wasn't exactly, but she she was kind of in the room with me. and, And, but they were, they're going into these testimonies from the different golfers about Tiger before and how aloof and just didn't want to talk to people, didn't smile, you know, just he was different back then. And then goes through this incredible breaking period. His marriage, his health, doesn't know if he can walk again, his back, four back surgery, all this stuff. And Kim is in the kitchen and, and, uh, and she's listening. And uh, then these different golfers were saying, and now he's. He's friendlier. He's nicer to us. It's a totally, it's a different tiger. And she shouts out from the kitchen, he's broken. You know, and there's a brokenness there. I don't know where, where Tiger's at with the Lord. May he, may Jesus reveal himself and may he be radically saved to the glory of God. But, but uh, there is something about us that makes us kinder and gentler and easier to approach when we've been broken. We've been through hard stuff when we've gone the way of the cross and, and connected with what our baptism is supposed to do and to be in our lives. 
So, baptism points to the reality of being united with Christ and also of being clothed with Christ. Turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Wow, this is incredible good news. And it is the promise that God's made us one. That there used to be all these differences in the way we looked at each other, you know, and she's less than me, he's less than me, wrong race. He's saying there's no Jew or Gentile. No, that's a Jew and then all the other nations. That's what Gentiles means. It means ethnos, nations. Or, you know, slave or free. There's no, we don't recognize ourselves according to our economic distinctions. Although, there are those things. Those distinctions, male and female. Those distinctions are there, but it's not a reason for me to put my thumb down on her. She is my sister. She's my wife, but she's my sister. Makes sense? We're one together in Christ. And so that's how we, like the, in the Didache, it's a, it was kind of a training manual for discipleship in the second century. They talked about how baptisms were done. And baptisms, uh, there in the early church, they were baptized naked and then given a set of clothes. Because they, like, a lot of times they just had one set of clothes. And so they were given a new, a new set of clothes. And just for propriety's sake, let's, we're going to just go ahead and assume that guys did the guys and girls did the girls. But on the other side of that, you're given new clothes. And that's the picture. Is that you're clothed in Christ. That God wants us to be seeing ourselves everywhere we go that we're clothed in Jesus Christ. Another picture, the last one I'll, I'll mention here is, no, next to last, is our oneness with our brothers and sisters. A similar point from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. These are the seven ones. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And again, here, baptism, he's saying, make every effort to keep what you've been given in the Spirit, which is unity and peace. And this is what marks you out. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay, so this is something that is huge for our, our faith and our oneness is that we recognize we were far away. As Ephesians says earlier, we were strangers and aliens, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. We were outsiders, in other words. We were without God and without hope, but Jesus Christ took all that hostility into Himself and brought the hostility and the dividing wall down and made us to be one people. In Him, in His body, in this new man, in Christ, we are one with our brothers and sisters. The last one is a similar one from Colossians chapter 2, baptism points to spiritual circumcision. Colossians chapter 2. So circumcision was the, the sign of the old covenant with the uh, cutting away of the flesh. And so here we go in chapter 2, verse 11. In Christ, in Him, you were also circumcised and putting off the sinful nature. So it's the cutting off, not of a piece of flesh, but of your flesh nature. 
your sinful nature. It's cut off by Jesus. Uh, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. Amen. So there is this cutting away of the old stuff so that we can walk in the new life. And it's also the baptisms we're about to see next week. It's like it's a, the way he's comparing it there. It's a sign of the covenant, this new covenant in Jesus Christ. So it marks us out as people that are his. We stand for him. We are insiders now where we used to be outsiders and we're partakers. So we want to know those things and we want to live into those things. So if you need to be baptized, again, you know, sign up. I would even say tell somebody today. You can sign up online, but tell somebody. And, and then if you've been baptized, we want to live into the baptized life. So as we've been forgiven, then we want to forgive. Just, you know, if your sin's been washed away, then don't hold it over somebody else. You've been forgiven. And, and really in other places in the New Testament, there's a direct connection that Jesus is making, as you receive forgiveness, you're able to give it. As you give it, you're able to receive it. They go hand in hand. So the baptized life then is that immersed life we were talking about, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's living and abiding in Christ out from the old life and in with the new. And if you blow it, confess it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. and Say, like Brother Lawrence, apart from you, I can't do any better. Here I am, Lord. And walk forward. Don't stay back there in that stuff, but walk forward in freedom. Walk forward in newness of thinking and life. Lord, change my mind. Change my heart. Change my body, soul, spirit. Let everything be connected and calibrated to You. Lord, set me free to follow You. Lord, replace my broken thoughts, my messed up thoughts, my unrenewed mind with a renewed mind and whole thoughts and life. Love, hope, joy, peace. All of that stuff. Lord, here's a big one. If you just saw the connections we were making about the importance of baptism, you're going to start seeing the importance of church. That we're one body together. This, the baptism thing, is, it's about that we're one together. It's never just about us by ourselves. I mean, that happens. We get saved, but it's together. We talk about this a lot, but I want to just make those connections. Together, we live this life out. Together, we experience Jesus as the healer of the hurting places in our lives. Here's the bottom line. Let's take baptism off the watch list. Off the, I'm going to keep scrolling through that thing and just go for it. Don't just, don't just scroll through it anymore. But if you need to be baptized, man, let's do it. And I'll just, one final word is that I know in my own life, and I find a lot of people have a similar kind of testimony where it's not everybody, but you know, I made a decision early as a, as a kid and I didn't really walk with the Lord from ever. I just, I heard a sermon about hell and I didn't want to go to hell and I missed that it was about a relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Him. And so after a bunch of craziness in college, I gave my life to the Lord in a dramatic way. And I wrestled through, do I, do I need to be baptized again? I mean, I didn't know the Lord and now I do. I wasn't born, I, it was like I was born again. And I finally came to the place years later where I said, by faith, I want to be baptized as a believing follower of Jesus Christ who is the treasure of my life. 
And if that connects with somebody, I just want to, you know, it's not like everybody needs to get rebaptized, but if you were baptized as a little kid and you didn't know what you're doing, or you're really saying Jesus is the treasure and the Lord of my life, then there might be, I just, I want you to be able to be baptized as a believing response to following Jesus. Okay? So that's, that's a, that's a green light for us. And in all of this, it's, uh, you know, signups are online, Antioch Fort Worth on the events page. And like I said earlier, man, if it's instead of six, it's 16 or 26, let's, we'll figure it out. But wouldn't that just be awesome? And we want to celebrate with you. If that's you and it's time to do that, man, let somebody know today. Uh, you sign up online, but let somebody know. Pray with somebody. Yeah. All right. Let's stand up. That's the call. And I've got three things that as the worship team's coming up. We do this. If you're visiting with us, we do this at the end of every service. We just respond to the Lord for a few minutes. And I've got three things that I want to call us to. Also, if I could get the ministry team to come on up as well. If you're going to be praying for people, come on up. Amen. So, so three pieces here. The first one is if you're ready to say, Jesus, you're the treasure, the Lord. I want you to have first place in my life. I, I, I'm getting rid of the other allegiances. I'm putting you in the first place in my life. If that's you and you're ready to say that, then man, come and get prayer with somebody or pray with somebody where you're at. But don't don't miss out on this moment right now to respond to God, to just have that that heart of, yes, I'm in. Lord, I want to walk with you. And the second piece is, if you you already know the Lord, let's take steps forward in the baptized life. Like really living the baptized life where we we know forgiveness. We know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're growing in all of that, that being saved stuff. You know, all of that life. The Lord is calling us deeper into that to know that we we died with Him and now we can live with Him. A raised new life. And then the third thing is just you know, if you're going through something this morning and you like, I need, I need some help. I need some prayer. Just know that God answers prayer. He meets us week after week. I'm just amazed at what God does in this time right here. So just, if you need to get prayer for any of these reasons or any other reasons, just let's, let's pray. Father, meet us here right now. Bring salvation to the hurting. Bring hope to the those who are really struggling bring faith Jesus step in and change things we ask Lord we look to you and we pray in your name have mercy and lead us into the fullness of this baptized life in Jesus name amen whatever your need is guys come be bold run to prayer run to community run to worship be bold amen we need you Lord we love you Jesus